Hello, I'm Jack Sheeran, and this is the very first episode of the Yesterday's Millennials podcast. Before we dive in, let's tell you what this podcast is all about. Today's millennial generation, that's people born in the late 90s to the year 2000, have grown up in a world dominated by technology. Many of them have gone to university, many more than any previous generation. But even after doing a degree, millennials seem to struggle to decide what they want to do next. They're also struggling to afford the cost of living and increasing house prices. This podcast aims to talk to yesterday's millennials about their lives, so anyone from previous generations, to see if we can draw any comparisons with the lives of young adults today. Was life easier or harder without technology? Was it simpler? Cheaper? Was it less exciting? Here's episode one. I am speaking to you from the cabinet room at 10 Downing Street. This morning, the British ambassador in Berlin handed the German government a final note stating that unless we heard from them by 11 o'clock, that they were prepared at once to withdraw their troops from Poland, a state of war would exist between us. I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently this country is at war with Germany. Imagine growing up during the Second World War, when the world was engulfed by one of the deadliest conflicts ever seen. Your father has gone off to fight in the war. At home you're faced by the constant threat of enemy attack, with air raid sirens and rationing a way of life. Then imagine not moving out of your family home until your early 30s, when you get married to someone you'd spend the rest of your life with. This is the story of Valerie Joyce Dawkins. How would you describe yourself as a person? Well, hopefully friendly. <laughs> I try to understand people and uh, hopefully it works. It seems to. What was life um, when you were growing up with your parents when you were younger? What, what was that like? Well, that was fine. The only trouble was we had the war. I was uh, just just on six when the war started, so I didn't see my dad for six years, and um, used to get the odd letter from him. But otherwise, yes, it was fine. I mean, I was lucky enough to have um, grandparents lived just up the road, and an aunt that lived across the road, and who had, which had four children, but the two youngest one were about my age, so that was like another two brothers. You know, we all used to play together and whatever. But, um, you know, when I think back, there was well, there was no sweets. The sweet shops never had sweets. You were lucky if you could get sweets. Um, and that went on for quite a long time after the war. And, um, you know, a fruit, you, you sort of see an orange in the greengrocers and you think, what's that? You know, and same as bananas. Yeah, What's that when you were children? Cause We'd never really seen them as such, or if we had too young to remember. And then in the mornings, if there'd been a raid at night, 
we used, we used to get up early and have our breakfast and then go round and pick out shrapnel from the gateposts and whatever, take it to school, see who had the biggest piece. Uh, all sorts of daft things really, but, and there was one particular time I was coming home from school and I came across, you had to come across a field, this is the um, junior school, and we came across a field and I was just climbing the, the, the stile, the other end, I'd cross the field, just climbing the stile and I was looking this aeroplane came over and I looked up and I knew it was a German, I, I recognised the swastika on the side, you know, and I just stood there and looked at it and it came down low, I could see the pilot with his leather hat on, helmet and that and on and I thought, oh my, <laughs> but staying in a strider style, I couldn't do much. Anyway, he just flew off, he just flew off. And unfortunately, when I got, well, I had to go to my grand's that night. And um, when I got there, just in, I was just telling her about it, and heard the um, what they called the Akak guns. Heard that go and saw me shot down, out of my grand's dining room window. I said, "Oh, grand, that's the one that's just flown over me." I felt so sad. I suppose, uh, well, I couldn't have been nine, ten, perhaps in the junior school sort of thing. Um, yeah, there are a lot of sad things. And then used to stand out and watch the dog fights with the Arab planes and the German planes. And one day we was in a neighbour's garden with her daughter and we were watching this dog fight as they called them. And the German plane parachuted out and they came down not far from where we were. From sort of thing, just a local village about two miles away. And the police had to get there quickly because apparently all the farmers came out with their pitchforks. <laughs> but the police got there first and they, they were okay. But um, yes, yeah, all sorts of funny things. And, uh, I mean, you didn't go on holiday. Um, you were lucky enough to, in our school holidays, summer holidays, we went to my mother's parents in Wales for a couple of weeks and uh, which was nice they didn't have air raid sirens they didn't know what they were and uh, I know they they tried their siren eight one day and everybody went berserk and said to mum what's the matter mum what's up with them they said well they don't have air raid sirens going up here they don't have air raids <laughs> Oh dear, they were zooming all over the place. Oh God. Yeah, we used to have some fun up there. Taught the children sort of silly things to do and like climbing haystacks and sliding off them. And uh, there was a lovely one in the field behind my gran. He used to climb that and I thought, no, you can't do that. Why not? <laughs> oh dear, I could be quite naughty. Yeah, so and then that this all war went on. I got to understand a little bit of the news as it came through. Um, not an awful lot, obviously. So I was only 12 when it ended. I always remember listening that the the army was getting closer to Berlin. And I knew that if they got Berlin, you know, that's pretty well finished it sort of thing. And um, then the news come over in the May we had a garden party. I don't know where the I don't know where the mothers got the food from. 
that uh, we had this garden party, a uh, street party, you know. Somebody got a piano out, I don't know how they got. <laughs> somebody got a piano out of one of the houses. So somebody was playing that and, oh, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah, never had anything like it before. And um, as I say, where this food came from, I don't know. See, they all clubbed together. We had a lovely time. And well, so did the, but not many fathers there, but, um, you know, the mothers, the children and that. And I remember when my, my dad was due home, we had the day off school. I let us have the day off school. And um, we stayed up in the bedroom so we could look down the road because uh, he was going to come by taxi. <gasps> you didn't have a, didn't know what a taxi was, you know. Go a taxi. So saw this taxi coming. And in those days, the, um, the indicator was a little orange arm that came out the side. And when I saw this arm come out across the road, I said, he's here. And I was down those stairs and my mum was saying, no, wait a minute, Val. No, I was off. <laughs> I think I was out on the pavement before the taxi got there. And, uh, you know, and of course my brother followed and we helped him in with his luggage. He had his kit bag. Well, we couldn't carry that. That was too heavy. But there were some bits and bobs and we helped him carry that in sort of thing. And, oh, it was so exciting and... It, it was so exciting you can't remember all the details sort of thing it was he was just home dad was home but it took him a long long time to make up those six years to him we were still six and three and it took him a long time to we were still always young to him sort of thing but um he sort of got there eventually but yeah so you know it must have been very difficult for him when I think back on it, you know, I think that, that must have been difficult. You go away and you leave a child of six and, a, and three, and then you come home and they're 12 and nine. A lot of time to make up, but he was lucky anyway, he got home. That was the main thing. Did, did it make it more difficult when you got to the age when you did leave home because he felt like he'd, he'd missed out on that part of the child? Not really. Well, I didn't leave home till I got married. It's for children didn't so much in those days. They, you know, they sort of stayed at home until they got married or joined the services. Um, you, you didn't think of getting a flat or or anything like that in those days. <clears throat> and so I was, I didn't leave home till I was, I was thirty-one when I got married. No, he, he was okay then. He was okay. So, can you tell us a bit about? What life was like for you when you were the age of 20? Oh, yeah, when I was 20, I'd uh, just well, been at work for about two years. And uh, I worked for a bus company in the office, private bus company, which was very interesting because you'd done a little bit of everything. You weren't stuck with one job all the time. Oh, I used to sort of go out. I'd done some sailing. Um, and then my friends and I, we used to meet up. Some friends I had in Chichester. Um, we'd meet up and we'd go to uh, uh, the barbecue, in a, with permission from the farmer to go on his land. And uh, oh, we had lovely. Um, that a one of the lads made a spit for the chicken and whatever. And uh, used to be there till about three o'clock in the morning, 
and uh, sort of come home and then go sailing next morning about eight o'clock. <laughs> Short night. <laughs> but it was lovely, it was lovely. And um, I used to like going dancing. There weren't many men danced in those days, that's the only trouble. I don't think there's many dance these days, is there? Do you dance? No. No. Not really. No. <laughs> Nor do my two sons. Um, but yeah, I used to love dancing. And if I didn't have a partner, and it was like, you know, an office dance or something like that, I used to take my father, because he was a good dancer. What sort of dances would he do? Just ordinary, boring, just ordinary, boring dancing. They used to put the okey-cokey in and those sort of fun dances, I used to call them. I got married when I was 31 and uh, still worked for the bus company. My husband was in the Merchant Navy, so it was big excitement when he was due home, sort of thing. I didn't do a lot while he was away. I used to go and visit relatives, um, brothers and my brother and my husband's brothers and sisters I used to go and visit them. Um, I didn't do a lot, but while he was home, we used to go out go eat to restaurants and whatever. He didn't dance either. <laughs> uh, how, how did you um, communicate with him when he was away? By letter. Yeah, just, well, I wrote the letters. He didn't like writing letters very much. I know one trip, I didn't write so many letters and I got one coming back. I haven't had any letters from you, what's the matter? So I went back, I've got no letters to answer. <laughs> That perked him up. <laughs> yeah, we got a few more after that. But uh, no, we were we were married just well, just over 50 years. And uh, we had the three children and twin boys. Luckily, they're not identical. And then we had the daughter. Yeah, we had a very good, happy life. It's been fantastic. What was the uh, wedding like? Oh, it was great. Yeah, yeah. I had to have a dress. I've got a photograph over there, but... I uh, I had to have a dress made because I was so small and um, and had the the bridesmaids and uh, and everything went lovely. I was very lucky because my mum's eldest brother, it was a chauffeur for Lord Cohen of Brighton. As we got married on the Tuesday, because Colin didn't dock until Monday, so we got married on the Tuesday. He had to ask for time off. So he said, it's my niece's niece in fairness, she's getting married. And my dad had met Lord Cohen, sort of thing, when he'd been with my uncle and that. Oh, he said, what? Yes, yes. He said, you have the day off. He said, and you take the Rolls Bentley and you've got to take the ribbons, because his daughter had got married a couple of months beforehand. Take the ribbons for the car and you take the bride to the church and you take the pair back to the reception. Ooh. It's lovely, beautiful. God, it was beautiful. Oh, especially in those days, you know, didn't have many cars. And uh, yeah, so that that was nice. And we got married in a little church in Gosport, and I lived in Fair, and so I had about a five or six mile journey in it down to the church. And um, dear little church it was. Behind that, behind that chair there, there's one of the wedding and one of the fifty. 50th anniversary. The the one in the brown uh, frame. This yeah, one here. That's the, that's the wedding. And then the one in the front is the 50th 
Ah, I see. We were standing outside the door of the church, which is a lovely wooden door, um, all carved in panels. How were you feeling when this um, photograph was taken? Sort of so excited. Can't remember much about the wedding actually, um, but so excited. It was a beautiful day, although it was October. It was a beautiful day, and um, oh, just just so happy, so happy. All the people, because you can't see them there, but there was all the people, friends and family and whatever. And because uh, Colin was the youngest of six children so there's quite a few relatives yeah I was going to have um, orchids for the bouquet because Colin could bring them home which was lovely he did bring some home at one time but unfortunately in October they they were at a season wherever he got them from and uh, so I think I ended up with roses which is lovely and the shop that done them for me was run by a conductress and driver who retired from the bus company and opened this florist shop. So they'd done my bouquets and whatever. And the bridesmaids didn't have bouquets, they had uh, white white prayer books with a ribbon going through and some freshers on the ribbon that, you know, hanging down from the book. I mean, poor Colin, he'd only come home the day before sort of thing he was a bit shattered but uh, he, he made it we went to the uh, new forest they stayed at a motel there then the next day we went down to Penzance caught the boat over to the Isles of Scilly we were only there oh, hard, hardly a week because he had to go back to sea he was only home about 10 days well, by the time you've had the wedding travelled down whatever you know we ended up roughly about a week. He said, uh, shall we get the helicopter home instead of the boat? I said, well, we paid for the boat tickets. And that. No, he said, you can exchange them. So I said, oh, okay, that'll be fine. But uh, the, I mean, I think they're a little bit more commercialized now. But um, at the eyes of silly, it, it was an eye opener. You went to change these tickets. I said, well, where, where have we got to go to change these tickets? He said, in the drapers. <laughs> yeah, in the drapers, <laughs> and um, you were walking. We heard this noise when we turned round. It was a town crier, and he had a wooden leg. He had his bell tied round his waist on a lump of rope. <laughs> He's going through the street, ringing his bell. No, yay, oh yay! <laughs> and then he's telling you all the news. And it wasn't till just before we, well, the day before we came home, I think. We realised there was a cinema there, but it was right up around the corner, sort of thing. But it was—I enjoyed it there because it was—it um, was different. It—it uh, it wasn't packed with people, and the village people, the, the island people, are lovely to know. We went out to Tres Tresco, which is like um, it's an island, but it's, it has all these um, oh, tropical plants, you know. Like a, it's a, like a different place altogether. You think you're in a entirely different country. We went in. They had a, a pub there. there was not much there, but there was a pub. <laughs> so we went in for a drink. We didn't realise that the we was there and we had to wait for a boat to go back. 
and it had gone past the closing time. Must have been lunchtime, one, you know, not the evening. It had gone past the closing time. We didn't realise because we were talking to the people there. And um, they were talking about this line up around the wall where the water had, had a flood at one time. They never painted over it, they'd left it. And all of a sudden the manager said, or the owner, he said, I saw him, he said, now be quiet. He said, whatever you do, be quiet. He said, and I'm switching all the lights out, all the, everything. What the heck's going on? And it was the, the police were coming over. Of course, they know where they're coming because they've got to come over by boat from St Mary's from the main island. <laughs> you can see them coming out the window. So everything goes dead. And then when they come over, they come in the back way and have a pint. <laughs> oh, well, that was a long time ago. It's 51 years ago now. But it was a lovely place. I'd love to have gone back there, but we never did go back there. But it would have been nice. This podcast was produced and presented by Jack Sheeran for The Interviewer. Make sure you share it around and please do drop us a review so we can hear your comments. We'd also like to thank Valerie, Debbie Phillips and Henford House Care Home for their help with this podcast. <laughs>